Have you ever heard a story and thought someone should really turn that into a movie? I had to learn a lot of nautical talk. <laughs> Tune into Script Bait and hear some of the strange, funny, or dramatic stories from history that have Hollywood written all over them. And, and he hatched kind of a scheme that, to me, is 100% an episode of Trailer Park Boys. Find Script Bait wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, Lord. <laughs> I like where this is going already. <laughs> You go first. You claim you do not know me. Well, take no offense there, Skippy. I'm sure you're a real hot, important ghoul. I've just always been kind of out of the loop with the snake thing. I am Ball. That's it? Just Ball? As in Bachi? Do you not know the pain you will suffer for this impudence? I don't know the meaning of the word. Seriously, impudence, what does that mean? Hey guys, Cliff Simon here, better known as the Big Bad Ball. And you're listening to the MacGyver Podcast with Mac Jackson. Hi, I'm Richard Dean Anderson. Name's MacGyver. Colonel Jack O'Neill, SG-1. My name is Pratt. Ernest Pratt. I always get a happy, tingly feeling when I see those guys. Name one contract that I failed to execute. MacGyver. Oh, here we go. You're a target. And I don't intend to miss. Over my rotting corpse. Sorry, did I say that out loud? Glowing eyes, cliche behavior, evilness, that kind of thing. Is mental illness contagious? You think? You can do anything you want to do if you put your mind... Well, you do have a penchant for pulling brilliant ideas out of your butt. Head. Out of your head, when we need them. Oh, stuff's already here, I just find a different way to use it. I like your attitude. Permission to take a team through the Stargate, sir. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the latest episode of the MacGyver Podcast. I'm your host, Mac Jackson, and this is the show where we talk about everything MacGyver and Stargate, and I'm thrilled today to have someone on who I've long admired and who has a new show coming up, Into the Unknown. And you would know him as Ball from Stargate. It's Cliff Simon. There he is. Yeah, I am. How are you doing? <laughs> Good. How are well, you, um, before we get having our fun chat, how are you doing during the pandemic? Uh, you know what? We're doing fine. Um, we, you know, I'm out of L.A. now. While uh, I decided to go on a road trip with my wife. And uh, we did a 5,000-mile road trip. And we are now at some friends in Georgia. We're uh, like an hour and a half north of Atlanta, a beautiful lake area, and um, very peaceful and quiet here. I got in, I had enough of the city. I needed to get out of LA for a while, and um, I was kind of tired of sitting at home. And I, we hit the road. We saw the amazing things. Drove up through Oregon, through Montana, through South Dakota, through Missouri, down to Georgia. Um, great road trip. So yeah, you know, just getting out. I wanted to see some 
I just wanted to see some beauty and some being outdoors, you know. I was getting way too cooped up and I, you know, I stopped watching the news because I just wanted some positive things in my life. I'm with yeah. you. It's funny too, because I was just about to say, oh, it's hot where I am. Where are you? But you're in Georgia, so you win. Mm. It's yeah. hot. It's hot. We got like a 85, 90 degrees during the day and like 80% humidity. But right. I'm right next to a beautiful lake, so I'm swimming every morning. I'm on the paddleboard. Yeah, it's great. It's and great. you've always been a big swimmer, right? You oh, yeah. Almost, you almost went to the Olympics. Yeah, I was an Olympic hopeful for the 84 Olympics. That's what I was training for. And then I left that to go into the military. Yep. Uh, how long were you in the military? Uh, I served two years. So we had, I left England in 1977 to go back to South Africa to basically tell them I'm back and I want to go into the military. Um, I just felt I needed to get away from my family and my parents and nothing wrong. I was just a young guy growing up mm -hmm. and I wanted some adventure and um, I got it. I sure got it. So I spent two years in the South African Air Force. Wow. Yeah. And was it enjoyable? No, not at all enjoyable. But uh, it, it was a, it, when I look back at it now, I'm glad I did it. I don't regret going in. Mm -hmm. uh, it taught me a lot. And I've used whatever I learned, um, like what I'm doing in my show. I mean, I use everything I learned there. Uh, yeah. And it was a good experience. I grew up very quickly. And, uh, you know, you go in a boy and you come out a man, for sure. But uh, <laughs> I've never regretted it. But it wasn't a good experience at all. No. Right. Yeah, I... Yeah, and it was the Air Force, right? Right, yeah. Um, it's funny. Last time I got to see you in person, um, I, I, we've gone back and forth on social media, but uh, mm. last time was at a, a con, and I remember you telling me about when you got out. You were born in Johannesburg, as I recall. That's right, yeah. And when you left South Africa, it, the situation, as I recall, wasn't a good one. No, not at all. Yeah. So, I mean, South Africa, yeah, South Africa is such a beautiful country. And I'm so glad I come from there. You know, I'm so glad I was born there because it's such a rich, it's got such rich traditions and the animals are amazing and all of that. But <clears throat> it's got problems. And sure. it's still got problems to this day, even though the government's changed and everything changed. Uh, nothing was given to the people that was promised. So, you know, once again, you're just dealing with another country that's uh, got crazy out of hand uh, corruption within the government. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's tough. It's tough on the people, whether it doesn't matter whether you're a black person or a white person. It's just the people of South Africa are suffering, you know? Yeah, I remember you, you describing it as very tense. Yeah. Just yeah. Like... It's a very tense, very tense, very aggressive society. It's a gun culture. <laughs> I mean, that's how it's always been. And, you know, at the end of the day, it's Africa. Africa is Africa. It's a, it's a very rough continent. It's um, a lot goes on there. It's a big place, you know? Yeah. Well, it's funny. I have friends that are in L.A., and they're agreeing with you as far as get me away. I just want to go yeah. into the woods or even if it yeah. were the beach. I yep. know what you mean. And with the way, like you said, avoid the news if you can. Yeah. Because it's yeah, I mean, just, it's stressful. Yeah, I mean, I pick up on it occasionally, what's going on. I know what's going on, but I don't sit and watch the news every day. It's just like, you can't do that. It's, um, it puts you into such a negative space. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's still beautiful things out there. Just like, yeah, you just use logic. You know, use logic. Mm -hmm. Stay as healthy as you can. I mean, we're going through a 
you know, this is historical times. And, um, you know, do what you're comfortable with. That's what I say. Like, do what you're comfortable with. But think about other people. You know, right. you know we go out. I've been, you know, the further we got away from L.A., people are not wearing masks and not doing kind of what they've been asked to. And seriously, it's like, it's not a, you're not being tough because you're not wearing a mask. It's not, what you're doing is you're just, you might be affecting somebody else. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's a very selfish thing, I think. And even if you think it's a conspiracy and you think it's this whole COVID thing is a hoax, maybe it's not. Just think of that. Maybe it's not. So maybe I shouldn't take the chance or maybe I should put on a mask so I don't infect that 90-year-old dude and kill him. Right. Maybe. I don't like, know. Like, you why know, Why take the chance if it doesn't hurt you to do it, do it. Right. Right. Exactly. You. Exactly. But, it's, you know, unfortunately, there's some people out there that, Maybe think it's not manly and it's not tough to do it. Come on. It's terrible. You know, open That's your mind. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. And it's funny Sorry, too. I be- don't have whiskey in here. This really is tea. There's yeah. no whiskey in there. Oh, good. <laughs> I was going to say, with, with the heat, I really wouldn't think you'd want to be drinking whiskey. <laughs> you fall today, asleep anyway. during the chat. I'm like, Cliff? <laughs> Cliff? Um, <laughs> one of the things I always think about you when it comes up in my life are two things. One, yeah. it's dogs, because I know whenever we talk, we tend to, to trade stories about dogs. Uh, right. Did you have a, it wasn't, you had a, a rescue, did you? Yeah, she was a pit bull boxer mix. Uh, her name was Duma, and she died actually, we started the road trip three days she died a year ago on like June the 28th, I think it was. I mean, it was okay. So this, this road trip kind of was like, okay, I've had a year. Let's go out and let's do our thing. And let's make this road trip about remembering my dog, Duma, mm-hmm. our dog. Um, she was awesome. Yeah, she was fantastic. I miss her so badly. You know, she was yeah. my partner. Yeah, do you, do you partner. think you'll get another one soon or no? No, you know, at the moment I'm kind of in a, in a odd kind of place where I'm not sure where I want to live. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm kind of thinking about maybe getting out of LA. Uh, it's another reason why we're here in Georgia, looking around uh, the Appalachian. You know, I'm looking for, we're looking at some properties here, some houses, some, I need space. Sure. You know, I can't buy myself a couple of acres in LA because it's just a ridiculous city. Mm-hmm. Um, wise, and you're not getting value for money, but you know, out here I can find myself a nice, uh, five-acre place, and it's yeah. green, and oh, it's beautiful. I'm know? with you. I mean, yeah. as much as, you know, the pandemic isn't ideal, you're right. When you can get away, nobody else is around. And if you right. can get an acre of land or so, yeah, that's heaven. Yeah, and it's probably an age thing as well. You know, I'm kind of – I've lived in big cities my whole life. Uh, you know, Paris, London, LA, you know, I've been in all these places and I'm tired of the big cities. I'm tired of the, yes, there's a lot to do uh, if you use it, like restaurants and clubs and whatever, you, but I don't do that anymore. You know, it's like, I just want some peace and quiet. I do love the beach. That's the one thing I will have an issue with not living close to a beach because I do love the ocean. Uh, but if, if I'm near a big body of water by a lake where I can still get in the water and do things, mm-hmm. That's kind of fine, you know, with me. And yeah, cities are just, the, the energy is too frenetic. Uh, you know what? I've, 
like to do with my show, which we'll talk about later, I'm sure. Like, yeah, yeah. I am not scared of any beast or any animal out there, man. I'm scared of people. People, <laughs> people go crazy. And it's, you know what? I'm not even worried about COVID. I'm worried about the way people act with it. Like, that's what the danger is, you know? Um, it breaks so your I, heart. I, wanna be, I just want to be away from that. I've had enough of it. Yep. I'm, I'm with you completely. You're, you're preaching my language. It's yeah. funny because the other thing uh that i think of you is we share a sense of adventure and exploration i constantly want to go exploring and if there's a path that hasn't been taken i'm going so when i saw that you had this show i was like well sure that makes sense he should you know that's i i envy you because for a TV show or just to be somewhere, I love that. Like, the, I, I want to do that. Anytime, right. even on my honeymoon, there was a, we live in Pennsylvania. So our honeymoon, we just went to the Poconos. We didn't want to travel far. And, right. you know, we're walking through the woods, the designated path. Yeah. And, I, and wait, something ran this way. Let's go see where it leads. Yeah, my wife's like, we're gonna get in trouble. Let's see. <laughs> no, that's, great. that's what you. That's what my whole show is about. That's that's my personality, you know. So it's like, hey, let's go check it out. You know? So how did that come about? So the show, you mean? Yeah, yeah. So about uh, four or five years ago, I met Robin Keats, who was the creator of the show. At this at that stage, it was called Altered States. Mm-hmm. His wife, Laura Keats, uh, she has a very popular show on uh, TV called uh, Pitbulls and Paroles. It's been running for like 10 seasons. Uh, it's a place where guys coming out of jail, they get rehabilitated, working with Pitbulls, uh, rescues and all that kind of stuff. And she approached me to do a dog show, a rescue show, which never happened. But then I met Robin, her husband, and he approached me with this show because of the kind of personality I am. Uh, he knew my background with the military and you know I have on-camera experience and I'm an adventurer and this is what I want to do. And me and him just clicked immediately. So over the years, we would get together and discuss the show, and it would change and morph into this and morph into that. Um, and yeah, four, just over four years later, got picked up by Cineflix production company and uh, got sold to Travel Channel. So very lucky. And uh, I mean, we worked hard on it. Mm. Uh, we have plenty of episodes, plenty of stories. We've only shot six. So, you know, hopefully, fingers crossed, we get more seasons. and. Uh, we can really go out there and explore, explore some really creepy and ex, you know, paranormal areas, uh, not just in the United States, but internationally as well. Oh, yeah. Without a doubt. That's, yeah. I'm a sucker for even watching those shows, yeah. you know, just because it's something you've never seen. And if you say this area hasn't been touched in over you know, however many years, okay, right. let's go. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's it. I mean, there are areas, there are plenty areas in the United States, never mind the rest of the world, but plenty areas here in the USA that have never been touched by a human foot. You know, nobody's ever walked in these areas. I went in those areas in North Carolina. They still exist. They're there. You know, it's a big, big country, this. And that's why I keep saying, you know, what what I'm out there looking for, there's a lot of places for them to hide. What I'm looking for doesn't want to be found. It's not going to be found. Sure. So we got to try really hard 
to look for what we're looking for. Um, there's a lot of places to hide. So you've got to go out into these very remote areas um, and places that aren't disturbed by any humans or, you know, not a lot of traffic and stuff like that and go and look for this and look for evidence and that kind of thing. So that's what the show's about. And it's a very, I mean, just like me, the person I am, I think I'm a very down to earth person. People who know me know that I'm like that. My whole criteria with the show and with Robin Keats, the creator, uh, and even with Cineflix was the show needs to be as real as possible. I do not want anything faked in the show. What I see and hear and feel in the show, mm -hmm. the viewer is going to see and hear and feel as well. We oh, had yeah. many, many uh, kind of extreme situations where we <clears throat> were seeing or hearing things, and that's really happening. It's happening real time as you guys are seeing it. So, and that was my criteria with the show. I, that's what I wanted. It's my show. My name is attached to it. It's Cliff Simon into the unknown. Uh, it had to be as real as I am. Right. Um, you know, I'm a straightforward guy. I'm kind of a black and white guy. It's like, this is the way it is or it's not. It's like, uh, if you don't like me as a person, don't be friendly with me. Don't right. pretend to like me because I don't mind, but rather be straight with me. I would respect you a lot more for that saying, you know what? I don't like you. I'm not going to talk to you. That's fine. Because mm -hmm. that's kind of how I am. Sure. You know, I, I won't pretend to like somebody. So I think that comes across in the show. From yeah, what well, I've heard. One of the things that another name drop that, you know, Colin Cunningham, one of the best bit pieces of advice that he said to me that I loved and always stuck with me was it's okay to be disliked by the right people. Yep. It took me a second to understand what he meant. And he explained it. If it's someone who's not a good person, who cares if they like you or not? Right. You right. know, and that's really the older you get, the more you go, yeah, you're right. Push yep. those people aside and hang on to the good ones. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. You know, it's one of the reasons why I'm kind of also people generally, I mean, I've got good friends back in LA. I'm not running anyone down, but people generally in big cities, you're so busy and so much is going on that they don't really have time anymore to sit down and just have a good old conversation. Mm -hmm. There's so much going on and you got your cell phone and everything is so quick. And it's like, well, I'm not going to call. I'm just going to text because it's quicker. But no, you're my buddy. Call me. Let's have a five minute conversation. That's all it takes too. But yeah. And so few people do that now. I've got buddies on Facebook who try and message me on Facebook. I'm like, dude, what are you doing? You're my friend. You have my, my phone friend. number. Call me. You're my personal friend. Just call me, dude. Don't yeah. message me on social media. That's, you know what I mean? So that kind of stuff does get me done. Sure. And especially in the world that we live in where we could do this, right. you know, why wouldn't you? Even if, like yeah. you said, five minutes can make all the difference because then that yeah. sticks with you and you go, oh, remember when he did that? Yeah. You know, that's, I'm, I'm with yeah. you. That's what life is about. And I yeah. know from what you're saying, because when you are on the go in the big cities or in any sort of entertainment career, it is go, 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 go. Meeting here, yeah. you got to talk to them. And yeah. you're always on. Right. Right? Because yep. you have to be in the moment. Right, right. And it's tiring, man. It's oh, tiring, you know? Don't I know it. I, I've yeah. had so many times where I'm just like, once 
that's over, I'll sit in a chair and my body will just go, you're yeah. done. Yep. You're emotionally yep. drained. You're physically drained. But yeah. if it's a good interaction, I don't mind. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the phonies, though, I don't need. No, exactly. But, you know, that's one of the uh, – if you're in the business that I'm in and, you know, a lot of people you've spoken to, you know what it's about. It's kind of like that's, that's a byproduct of it. You kind of have to accept that uh, and just get on with it. You can't let it get you down. You can only stay as real and positive as you can and let let the bullshit go over your head, you know. You can't let it get you down. So but that takes many years to um to get to that stage where you have that confidence in yourself and you know yourself so well um that you can feel like that. But I see like living in LA and that and once again I'm not running. LA is a great no, city. It is what it is. Pilots, but it is what it is. But you see youngsters come up there and they get messed up in the head because they haven't toughened up it. They haven't toughened up, you know? Right, right. So, and it's also I think for me at least, the emotional roller coaster of trying for parts. Right. Like you go in wanting a part. Yeah. Maybe you don't get it. Maybe you didn't even get that far. Yeah. And that's constant. You know, you're, yeah. say you're known for Stargate. Okay. Well, what do you do after that? Well, now you got to start again. Yeah. You know, and well, hopefully people- you have a good reputation. Yeah. I mean, that's what people don't realize. Like the business that's ongoing, it's a daily hustle. Uh, like I've got friends in South Africa who think we work nonstop because they're watching reruns or all episodes. So they're seeing me on Stargate. Then they're seeing me on NCIS LA. Then they're seeing me on uh, the Americans. Then they're seeing me on Castle. And they're like, wow, dude, you're working so much, you know? But they think you just go for the job. They don't realize that in between every single one of those jobs, I've probably been for 20 auditions oh, and yeah. not gotten any of them. So when you do get that job, it's so freaking good and you appreciate it because it's so few and far between, but they, in their eyes, they see it as you're working, you're working constantly like, Hey Cliff, why don't you go work on the Americans? It's like, what you think I'll just call them and go, Hey guys, I'd love to be on your show. Okay, cool. Yeah. I'm available next week. That's not the way it works. (laughs) Could you put me on this series for the rest of its run? That would be great. Because Tom said I should be on. So can we make Tom happy? Right, right. That's not how it works. So um, (laughs) that's the business. You know what? We make it look easy, and that's how it should be. Well, and that's the thing, too, because one episode is like a week. Right. So, okay, that week flies by. Right. Now, there's 51 other weeks that year. What are you going to (laughs) do? Yeah, honest to God. Uh, Um. When you go out, I'm gonna. I'm probably in our conversation gonna bounce all around with you. So if yeah. we're on tangents, you know, no problem. That's what the chat's about. Yeah. Um, when you do go out, now you filmed these last year. We filmed this first season last year. Yeah, everything okay. got a little bit delayed because of COVID. So we're hoping to hear soon about season two. I'm just you know keeping fingers crossed. We we wouldn't have been able to travel anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is a very small team. It's only five of us who go out. Uh, that was going to so be my question. When you when you go out, I didn't know if it was just you and one other guy with the camera or, you know. 
No, there's uh, there's actually four of us actually out there. That's it. So we're a very tight, streamlined little crew. We can move very quickly. Now I've got work, I've got guys. I, I make no. We're not trying to pretend I'm out there at all on my own. Sure. I go out to. When I say I'm out on my own, it is just me. I don't have any other uh, uh, witness or specialist with me when I'm actually going to track something. Mm-hmm. But I do have my guys with me. Uh, and they're young, tough guys. If I climb a mountain, they climb a mountain with me. If I scuba dive, they scuba dive with me. They're good guys. And we have this little competition about who's tougher. Kind of like they, it's like an unspoken thing. It's like they think, well, I can't let the old guy beat me up the mountain. So they work extra hard. And then I'm thinking, I can't let these youngsters beat me, so I'm working extra hard. So it's kind of a cool thing. It works. It works for the show. That's um, funny, so, too. Yeah. They're great guys. They're, uh, they're my crew. They're based out of Toronto. And, uh, yeah, these guys have done a lot of uh, action photography and stuff like that. So they're up for anything. I mean, you know, in North Carolina, we're in snake-infested woods like crazy. The cottonmouths. Like Louisiana alligators and I was gonna say I think the first episode is Louisiana that's gonna premiere. Right. right. So that's a fantastic episode. Really, Louisiana is an amazing place. I was so interested to go there and it didn't disappoint me. It's such a weird, creepy, amazing place. The people are so different. The Cajun people are unbelievable. They I could barely understand them. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd never met them. Be- I'd never met the Cajun people before. And their beliefs are so strong. And oh, their, yeah. voodoo, their voodoo beliefs are so strong. I, I had a blessing by a voodoo priestess. I was in the water. It was like unbelievable. I submerged in the water and there's a, a cottonmouth snake eating a fish right next to you. And I'm like, what the fuck? It was crazy. <laughs> so, an amazing place. And the swamps there are unbelievable. They're beautiful but deadly, you know? Yeah, I'm picturing you, like, keeping one eye on the snake and going, can you hurry up with this blessing, please? I think I need it. Yeah, I had Andre, my cameraman, with me in the water, and he's like, Cliff, should we get out? I said, just wait. Don't freaking move. Yeah. And we just waited. It moved a little bit away from us. And I said, okay, let's get out. And then we waited a while. And the one guy, one local, we call him Pixers, who help us with the locations and that real tough... uh, Great, great dude. His name was Jeff. Um, he was like my personal bodyguard from the animals, you could call him. Mm-hmm. So he comes into the water with my machete and an oar because he wants to kill the snake. I was like, what are you doing with the oar? He said, well, I'm going to smack it on its head and then cut its head off with your machete. I'm like, no, 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 dude, please. I don't want to kill animals on my show. That's not what the show is about. We're not right. killing animals yet. Just we'll stand here. It'll move on. And it'll go, which it did. It, you know, it disappeared and we carried on shooting it. So those were great funny instances, you know, but very, I mean, there's dangerous animals out there, you know, so we had to be very careful um, and had to know what we were doing. A lot of the times I was wearing in North Carolina, especially I was wearing full length gaiters because the the rattlers that they have there are absolutely huge. Mm. And the one local guy said to me, he said, even if you've got gaiters on, the rattlers we have here, they'll break your leg. When they strike, they strike with such force and he showed me a photograph of one that he'd, uh, he'd killed a couple of weeks before because it was kind of there. It was pretty dangerous for in the, the situation they were in. But it seriously was like that fat around. Oh, jeez. It, it was seven feet long, dude. He was Ooh. holding it up, seven feet. So he said, when that thing hits you, it hits with such force, it'll knock you off your feet. Oh, sure. Because uh, that's just pure muscle coming at yeah. you. Totally, man. So I was like... I was hyper. That whole episode, we were in the woods in the middle of the night, 
and I've got gaiters on and we're just walking, man. It's like, uh, it was uh, creepy, very creepy. But, you know, that's what the show's about. And it's about overcoming fears and all that kind of stuff. So I yep. think that your sincerity um, will be probably the selling point for getting you the next season. I think you being r real with it, you know, and, and not yeah. having any bit of phoniness. Yeah. Like you, like you said, so. the sincerity makes a difference. It does. It does. You know what? Because viewers these days, they're sophisticated, they're intelligent, they've seen it all before. Mm -hmm. um, they've seen so many shows out there, people pretending to be on their own. We can see you're not on your own. We've seen people out there conjuring up fake animals in the bush and, you know, and I'm not running any other shows down. It's all entertainment. But, but you want honesty. Yeah, you want honesty, and I believe that's where my show is going to be a little different and hopefully more educational. I want my show to be educational, and I want to show these beautiful places in the United States where American people are going to go, I don't even know. I didn't know that existed. I could walk I mean, there. I didn't know it was there. Yeah, I've already had people on, on some other interviews I've done. They said, I didn't even know about the Atchafalaya Swamp in Louisiana. It's like a million square acres, dude. It's massive, but nobody knows about it. Because nobody ever thought to go there. Why would you? I right? Mean, it's, insane, dude. it's like 100 degrees. It's 100 degree humidity. The mosquitoes are that big. They're like, oh, you need a blood... You need a blood transfusion when you go back, when you get out of that place, because the mosquitoes bite you through your clothing. It's insane. Wow. It's that, I was going to mention you must have come out of there with a few bites. Oh, I have never been so uncomfortable in my life. In that humidity, in the middle of the night, in the swamp, being bitten by mosquitoes, like it's real. Nothing's <laughs> fake there. It's just insane. Yeah. Man. And how, um, what's the time frame between your trips for this? So we started off shooting, um, we, the first two episodes we did, uh, so the, it takes six weeks to shoot one episode with two travel days either side. Okay. So the first two episodes we shot and had breaks in between. Then episode three and four, we did back to back. So there was two weeks of, uh, of nonstop shooting. And then episodes uh, five and six, we did back to back. But in between three and four and five to six, we had about a week and a half's break okay. to go home. Yeah. yeah so it's a, very, it's a very strenuous physical show. And uh, they asked me if, you know, I'd be able to handle doing 10 episodes. I said, sure, 10, 13 would be pushing it. Because uh, if we have to do like five sets of two back to back, five sets of back to back episodes, by the end of that 10 episodes, it's, it's tiring. It's very physically taxing. I mean, like Mount Shasta, we're climbing up at 8,000 feet and shooting up there. It's very, very tiring. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Even if you're uh, just I mean, trying to climb down, the yeah. thought of it makes me want to have a nap. Yeah. And then up there, I mean, I'm still I'm running around up there. It's like I'm running off to stuff, and it's exhausting. You take three steps, and you're out of breath. Um, so it's a taxing show. And yeah. I keep saying, man, couldn't this have happened 10 years ago? I was 10 years younger then. <laughs> well, do you, you probably <laughs> do the same thing I do where you think, you know, I'm kind of, half of me wants to be adventurous. The other half of me thinks a coma might be relaxing. <laughs> and then you go, no, let's go. Let's do the next thing. Let's, you know. Yeah. 
The moment yeah. you feel rested up, you want to go again. Yeah, I mean, you know what? At the end of the day, I love it. It's uh, absolutely like I so, I've told so many people. I said, even guys in the show, a couple of people were kind of resistant to talk to me because they don't want, they don't, they don't trust you. They have to trust you that you're not going to portray them as a kook, as a, sure. you know, and that's not what the show's about. I'm not out to debunk any myths. I'm not out to make anyone look foolish. I'm just a guy out there with an interest in this. I have certain skills that enable me to do it and let's go and find this thing or whatever it is I'm looking for. So I had to sit down and talk with them quietly on my own and say, look, this is the kind of person I am. Forget that there's a guy here with a camera. Even if there wasn't a camera, I would be here doing this. So it's just me and you. Now just talk to me as a person. Forget about the camera. Like there's no performing here. This is a reality show. They just following me around. I can do what I want. Like there's no dialogue. I'm doing and saying mostly what I want, you know? Sure. Um, and then they kind of relax and they get to know me as a person and they start to open up to me because that's the way you investigate stuff. You've got to get people to trust you. Sure. It's the same as a cop, you know, who's questioning. You've got to get somebody, you've got to get them to trust you um, and know that, dude, I promise you, you're not going to look foolish. I'm not out to hurt you. Correct. Yeah. Correct. So once they understand that, then it's fine. So that's where the work comes in, you know? Oh, sure. Hard work. But also yeah. the reward, I would think, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, of course, you know, I'm so happy and humbled to have my own show like this. It's been many years that I've been wanting to do this. Mm -hmm. uh, it's been a dream of mine to host discovery shows or travel shows and go to the far ends of the earth and to these remote places and like, let's go to the Amazon and swim down the river and let's go talk to a tribe. Like, let's just go do that kind of stuff. So that's been a dream of mine. And so I really, it really has been it's a dream come true for me. This yeah. show. Well, uh, I think you know, I was of, so happy last year. Go ahead. So, sorry, carry on. Oh, I was just going to say that the, um, I think part of it is the fact that uh, I can speak from personal experience, but I've also had conversations with other people who have worked with you. Yeah. And they all say the same thing. You're a good, genuine person. Well, thank you. Thank you. Well, yeah. <laughs> I, I try. <laughs> I try. Yeah. Well, um, a lot of the, go ahead. There's no reason to be rude to people and there's no reason to be, it doesn't matter, not in this business, in any business. There's just no reason to be rude to people. Man. Like, I, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm not a very religious person, um, but, you know, the Buddhist way of life is very simple. And Buddhism is not a religion. I'm not a Buddhist. I wouldn't call myself a Buddha, sure. Buddhist. But they have, certain, they have a certain way of life that I agree with totally. And it's so simple. It's treat people. How you want to be treated. It's so Jesus, simple. Jesus said that. That's a, you know, that's a, typically I always say all the religions always agree on the same principles. It doesn't matter yeah. about the minute detail that might separate right. them. If right. Buddhism, Judaism, Christianity, they all, it's a universal truth. Right. Be good to people. Let go of the crap. You know, I, I, my personal model has always been give, forgive, and be humble. Those three things are in everything we do. Yeah, that's very good. That's very right? good, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I, I remember getting to that age where, you know, you start to think a little deep, 
deeper and I went, yeah, no matter how I look at it, one of those three words gets covered. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely right. And so, you know, and I always say, especially if you're an actor or a musician or like yeah. you said, anybody, there's no reason you shouldn't be so sweet to people. You're yep. doing your dream job. You're successful at it, yeah. you know, and you'll be known forever. Yeah. What else could you possibly need? Yeah. And I'll tell you something from, from my experience of certain people in my life that have come into my life. And I'll use an example as like um, Michael Greenberg from mm. Stargate. The true success, truly successful people are very nice. It's the ones who aren't, haven't reached any kind of success, who pretend to be successful, are very, very nasty. And that's what I've kind of learned. And it makes you think. Like, there's a lot of times when I'm in situations with people, and using Mike again, because Mike's been in the industry a long time. He has a, so much experience. And I've seen how he talks to people. And I've been in a lot of situations where I think to myself, what would Michael Greenberg say <laughs> to that person? And I try and say that to that person because to me, he just acted the way people should in the industry. Very professional, mm -hmm. strict to a degree. He does his job. He knows his job. And he's strict when he needs to be and he can discipline when he needs to be. But generally, he will treat people how he wants to be treated with respect. Yeah. You know, you can't tell somebody to do something if you don't respect that person or you say it to them disrespectfully. They're not going to do it. You know? Right, right. Uh, or if you don't way. mean it, they're going to pick up on it, even if the right. person was trying to be nice. You're like, mm. yeah. Right, right. So, and that's, you know, once again, going back to my show, and I think that will come across when people see it. The way I speak to the people who are helping me on my investigations and witnesses of the show, mm -hmm. I think that'll come across. Um, uh, yeah, I like I said, I think that's what's going to set you apart. Yeah, I hope so. You know, I hope so. I really want it to. I do. I do. I, do. I want it to be real. I just want it to be good. I want people to feel good. And I want people just to like, join me. Maybe you don't have the time to go to these places. Or maybe you're a little bit scared to go to these places. But hey, you know what? Follow me, Cliff Simon, into the unknown. And I'm going to show you a good time. That's a good commercial right there. <laughs> yeah. there um, tell me the story. I think you might have mentioned it in the past, but what was your, there was a story that happened to you when you were younger that kind of kick-started your. So, yeah, when I was about four or five years old, um, I woke up and it's still very vivid in my mind. And I, I wasn't dreaming at all. For, I know for a fact this was not a dream. I woke up, and in my room, I had a little bit of light coming from the outside. I had black shapes in my room going up the wall and onto the ceiling. And I, of course, being a little kid, I mean, I saw all of this, and I felt somebody else asked me the question, and what I felt, I'm, I'm very sensitive to a lot of things, and people will see it in the show as well. I pick up um, energies. I can pick up that kind of stuff. And it felt like wind in my room. Like when you feel a gust of wind on your skin, that's what I felt. I felt like there was this, these things going over me. To me, they were going over me and that's what I felt. So it was like wind on my, on my body. I stood up out of my bed 
and I ran off the edge of my bed. The, the, my door to the bedroom was at the foot of the bed. I ran straight off the bed. I didn't even touch the floor in my bedroom, and I flew out of the door and ran to my parents' room, of course, screaming, and my parents came and switched on the lights, and there was nothing there. So I think that incident planted the seed of, like, I think there's something more out there in mm-hmm. meets life. And I think that planted the seed for over the years, I've read more and more and I've started to experience more and more things. I've had other experiences in my life. Um, I've seen things. I've seen a UFO. Sure. I don't talk about it, but I believe I've seen it. Sure. Uh, I started following an aircraft in Los Angeles and shoo, disappeared, shot out. As you know, California is a very, you know, it's a hotspot for, for UFO activity and extraterrestrial activity. So, um, yeah. I've had that stuff, and you know, Robin Keats knew all of this. Uh, so combining that, um, that thirst to get to know more, sure. plus my physical skills that I have and uh, have learned over the, you know, my long life, um, combining all that, like this is the show for me, you know, like let's go out and add. So it's not just we don't just arrive in a place. It's about the adventure. How do we get to this place? It's not easy to get to where we're going. I mean, we're hiking for three hours to oh, get yeah. to where we want to get to. And it's uncomfortable. This is not a hiking on a hiking trail. This is, let's machete our way through the woods uh, with snakes and whatever else is in there. So there's the adventure side to it. And then there's the paranormal side and then there's the investigation side. So it's a, there is a format to the show. Of course, there has to be because we have to move the story forward. So sure. I speak to witnesses, I get as many people as I can. I speak to as many people as I can to help me with my investigation. Mm-hmm. I need to know where to go and look for this thing. Where do, go, where do I go and look for the Rugaru in the Achafalaya swamp, which is a million square acres? Like, where do I actually go to? You know, like, I need help in that direction. And so that's what these people do. That's what these witnesses do and the helpers and, yeah, <laughs> volunteers. Well, I'll tell you, uh, you, you were said you were four or five at the time, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, I got one for you. Yeah. My grandfather, the only grandparent I ever knew, passed yeah. away when I was four. So I must have been four or five, and I remember at night laying in bed, and, and when you're a kid, you don't want to fall asleep. You kind of right. fight it. Right. Laying in bed, and I'm thinking of my grandfather. Windows closed, nobody else in the room. And I'm talking out loud and I say, Pa, something, you know, are you there, Pa? I wish you were here. And the bed does this. Yeah. And it kept going for a little while. And I went, okay. Now, understand, I just, because I was so young, I just went, okay. And accepted it as I said it. He's there, moving right. on. You have all the bullshit put into you. Right. So, right. which is an amazing thing all by itself. Yeah. But a couple years later, again, laying in bed, thinking about it, and went, wait a minute, because now you're starting to get to the age where you're going to start to question stuff. Right. And I'm trying to figure it out. Maybe it was my imagination. There was no way I could have done that. Right. And I said, just for fun. Pa, you there? I went, thanks. And that was it. Like, I never tried it again. I, you know, it was just more of a, just to let you know. 
that wasn't yeah. bull crap that happened. Yeah. You know, and I never did it again because I never wanted to abuse the privilege. Yeah. Yeah. No, amazing though, huh? I, I believe it. It's amazing. And that's why there's so much more out there. People just need to, you need to have an open mind. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and don't, uh, you just got to have an open mind. There is so much out there. It's insane. Yeah. Yeah. Be, if I be a rational people, thinker, but don't close off the possibilities. Right. Exactly. Exactly. I have, wait, I have a great saying. Do you have a, do you know who Art, um, he was a radio show host about paranormal back in the day. Art. Anyway. He yes. Had, I can't get his name. I know, anyway, me either. He had a great saying. He used to say, do not have such an open mind that your brains fall out. Do not have such a closed mind that we can't get through to what little gray matter there is in there. <laughs> That's such a good saying. It's just like, yeah. you're just, like don't be so closed minded, but don't like just accept stuff. Like, I don't accept stuff. I'm, that's why I have the show. I'm, I want to either prove stuff scientifically or physically catch it on camera or see it myself, you know? Oh, yeah. Have an open mind. I don't believe everything. Like, I've heard we're out there investigating certain stuff. I'm not just going to like, oh, wow, okay, that exists. It's real. Sure. Because sure. you need to have that, the drive to like, I want to see it for myself. Mm-hmm. I want to prove it to myself first. And if I can catch something on camera, that's going to be a bonus, you know? Absolutely. Because then I can prove it to other people. So, and it's on camera, so that's, you know. Right. And I'll tell you, I saw in, uh, in uh, Louisiana, for example, the one woman I spoke with, her father was hunting one day and caught the Rougarou on camera. I've seen the footage. It's eight millimeter film. And what she's done, she's digitized it now, but it's still, she showed it to me. Well, that's neat. It's unbelievable. I was watching it and I went, what the fuck was that? <laughs> <laughs> that's what I'm out there looking for. So I saw that on camera and then that's what I went to get. And I'm not going to give anything away, but we saw and experienced things. Uh, you need to watch the episode to see that. I but uh, say. it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty terrifying. Pretty terrifying. Well, listen, we didn't even get to touch on Stargate, but I'll let you go. We could come back. Sure. You're welcome back. You know. Let's go. T- we got, we got, let's go five minutes with Stargate. Oh, you're a good Stargate. guy. Stargate Thank gave you. me such a good name here in the USA. I'm so appreciative, and I love the show. And, um, man, I love just, you know what, the sci-fi fan, because I know we're going to get to that. Like, every sci-fi fan out there, every Stargate fan knows me. When I travel around the world and go to conventions, I always make sure to thank the fans because without the fans, we don't have a show. Right. Uh, without fans, without viewers, you as an actor, you're not an actor. You have no one watching you. That's what we do. We entertain. And yeah. we're so lucky as sci-fi actors to get to meet the fans and the viewers of the show because we get feedback. And there's very few actors out there who are not in the sci-fi genre who never get to meet. You'll meet people in the street and go, oh, I love your show. But that's not feedback. Like, the sci-fi fans, the Stargate fans are just diehards. Yeah. And um, I yeah. just, you know, always thank them. I just still to this day, to this day, 20, whatever, 18 years later, 17 years later, the support is still as strong as it was from day one for me personally when I started in the show. So it's, it's unbelievable. Do you unbelievable. remember when, because, you know, I know you've been told this and I've been at 
the conventions where people have asked you all the typical questions, so you won't hear it from me. Uh, <laughs> but do you remember when you knew you were a fan favorite? Because I'll tell you, for me, Ball, he stands out because of the charisma, and it's not a typical twirling mustache type of bad guy, which is yeah. what the yeah. ghoul I design is. Yeah. And there's which, a certain which, charm that you have. Yeah, which is, I mean, I that was a, uh, a physical, a mental um, note I made. I did not want Ball to be the typical, uh, you know, mustache twirling bad guy. I saw how the bad, other bad guys were in Stargate, and I didn't want Ball to be like that. I know Ball was created with me in mind. They already knew. Really? Me. Yeah. So there was no character of Ball. I went in originally to read for the show. I, re I think I read some of Tilk's dialogue. They just wanted me on camera. And then it was a, maybe a month or a month and a half later, I got a call saying, okay, there's a script on its way to you. You are the character of Ball. Here's a whole bunch of uh, information and research. Check it out. And that was and, Summit, uh, right? Summit, Summit yeah. I think, so was the first one. Yeah, so Ball wasn't created when I first read for them. Um, so that put a lot of pressure on me. And I knew I had to do something different with this guy. So I wanted to play him as a human being. I didn't want to play him as an alien. I wanted to play him as a human being. And when Osiris, and I tell everyone, they all know the story. When Osiris first walked in in Summit, I slouched down in my chair, I crossed my legs, and I looked at her up and down because she was a very attractive woman. So I, that's what I did. And instantaneously, I heard giggling from behind the camera. And I knew, okay, that was it. I knew it. And um, after that episode, Martin Wood came to me and Mike Greenberg, and they said, don't worry, you'll be back. They yeah. loved it. So that set the whole tone for the character of Bob. And I had a little my smile, my famous little half smile. And that's how I played him. That's how I wanted to play him. Man. And it just worked. You know what? You take a chance as an actor, but that's what you do as an actor. You take a chance. It could have gone the other way. Oh, yeah. Um, but it worked. And then, I mean, as far as being a fan favorite, I didn't, there was never really one point where I knew, but only after doing conventions and traveling around and, you know, doing panels and people are saying, oh my God, ball this and ball that. You're just the most amazing villain. And it's like the best gold. And then I started to realize, okay, ball is kind of like, He's becoming a fixture in the show. Oh, definitely. And yeah, and then, of course, leading up to Continuum, the movie, yep. uh, that was unbelievable that I actually even got into that. I was like, it was so amazing for me. I realized then, okay, Ball was a big part of Stargate. So um, I'm just glad it worked. Well, I'll you tell know? you, if, you know, people are clamoring for more, obviously, yeah, and yeah. if the networks would get off their butt and realize the gold yeah. mine that they have yeah. as much as they say we think we got all the ball clones they could bring you back like that oh yeah because you know what the whole question was was that the real ball that they got in continuum the the symbiote came out but the question is when i cloned myself did when you clone yourself do you clone the symbiote that's the question we don't know so I, that could have happened, which means that probably wasn't the real ball that they got in the end. Exactly, because you can't even believe him if he said he was. Right, exactly. So, yeah, and, 
And even if that was the real ball, we now have the host, who's a 4,000-year-old human being who has all this knowledge of ball being inside him. He's seen it all. He can remember it all. And also, why did Ball choose that host? So there's a reason why he chose that person, that human being, to host him. So that's, that alone is a very interesting storyline somewhere there. That is you know? so good. I love that so much. That's, I like yeah. that you're thinking along the same lines. Yeah. I mean, there's so much storyline there. It's huge, you know? So yeah. it's, it's cool. Uh, yeah, and they do need to – I mean, they, they know there are – millions of fans all over the world a hundred million to be exact yeah who still want the show you know yeah there is it's not the type of show that you go i guess we're out of stories no no No. and it makes business sense i think yeah well that's that's the thing that's baffling why are they not fighting over this series yeah i don't know i don't know man oh hopefully somebody will but in the meantime we have you on into the unknown on yeah. the travel channel. That's it. And, uh, you when know. are we going to. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. When, um, if I may ask you now, when are you thinking this is, this, uh, this is going to go out? Tonight. Tonight. Because oh. awesome. <laughs> awesome. I'll tell you, I, I, I do the two versions thanks to Zoom. I could do the video and the audio. The audio okay. will be in a couple days, but the video nice. one I can edit tonight and pop up on YouTube. Awesome. Awesome, yeah, man. I awesome. figure as soon as I can help promote you, I'll do that. Awesome. Do you know, can I send you through some Into the Unknown uh, banners yes. for Twitter and stuff? Yes. Yeah, it's all official from travel. They, they photographs, you can just like clip them in. Yes. It'll be really great. It's got Monday, July 27th and all that kind of stuff. Do that you, at, right away. And that'll be great. Me, I might send you a couple of behind the scenes photos. <laughs> if I can Thank find you, them. buddy. You know... I'll, together for you that you can edit in it'll be cool that's beautiful i love that so much and i was just about to say to you you let me know for this and anything after you know the whole point of this show is to promote good people such as yourself so you're welcome and if anywhere down the line i can help you let me know okay all right i have i have those facebook pages uh and thank you for you always tend to repost my audio series and this show. And yeah. Yeah. It's all give I, and take, man. It's all give and take. Right. You know? And I just, I want you to know how much that means to me through the years. You're welcome, man. You're welcome. All right. Well, I will let Thank you me. go back to your vacation. Thank you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you're welcome. And like I said, anytime in the future you want to come on and promote or just shoot the bull. Okay. I'm no, here. definitely. If we, if we get the go-ahead for season two, once I know like where we're going and what we're going, we can do a little pre-thing about, well, we're going to be in wherever, Iceland, or we're going to be back in Hawaii, or, yeah, we can do a little thing. It'll be great. So that'll be awesome. Absolutely. And I know I'm very happy with that. So, But we'll keep this. Normally, everything's going through Travel Channel and Discovery Publicity now. So right. people have to book a time with me. And then they kind of like, well, you've only got 15 minutes so I've been doing these 15-minute back-to-back interviews, and it's not really enough time to talk. Uh, That's what I said. People, yeah, and I want people to get to know me as Cliff Simon, the person, not just the guy on TV. So this is a way we can do it. So, um, But please uh, tag me. If you post anything tonight, tag me, and then I'll shoot it out. Yeah. And I'll, uh, when we finish here, I'll get some photos together, and I'll email them through to you. 
I might have to send them via WeTransfer because they'll be too big to email, but I'll get sure. it done for you tonight. Thank cool. you, buddy. You're welcome. I'm All happy right. to help. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> Good luck on the new show, and I will talk to you later. All right, Mac. Thanks so much, bud. Thank All you, buddy. All right. <laughs> Bye. Ciao, ciao. Bye. The MacGyver Podcast is part of the Forever Adventure Network. Some original artwork by Joseph Arnold. Donations can be made at Patreon to Mac Jackson. Look for our group pages on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at MacGyver Podcast. Please subscribe, rate, and review. And remember, stay creative, everyone. The Forever Adventure Network. Welcome to the adventure. Hi, this is Amara from the Always Podcast. I want to make sure you know about another awesome show, the MacGyver SG-1 Audio Series. His eyes darted over to Jack's weapon. Sam, start taking all the gunpowder out of these bullets. He stunned Jack by taking the gun from his hands and with one swift motion released the clip discharging the bullets in the chamber before handing the empty gun back to the general. It's written, edited, and performed by Mac Jackson of the MacGyver Podcast. He's bringing together the worlds of MacGyver and Stargate to bring us all new and ongoing adventures. For some reason, something caused both Jack and MacGyver to glance up at the second floor office window that hung over the large storage hangar. It was a shadow of a moving figure, a figure who now was staring down at them. Before they could say anything or move, the man ran over to the railing and opened fire on them. In that moment, they each knew they were about to be riddled with bullets. Get into the epic story and hear how brothers Mac and Jack work together. Suddenly, he spun on his heels to his brother. Jack, give me your phone. The general quickly took it from his pocket and handed it over. Yeah, it isn't working, you know. No, not as a phone. With that, MacGyver knelt down and smashed Jack's cell phone off the ground and cracked it open. As he pried it apart and reached for his knife, Jack stood stunned. That's... my phone. And how they disagree. As he turned the engine off, he rechecked the inside of his pocket and pulled out his automatic handgun to check the chamber. As he verified the bullets loaded, he could see the disappointing glare of his brother in the seat next to him. What? This again? I don't like guns, Jack. Yeah, me neither. I like getting shot a lot less. Subscribe and review today on Apple iTunes and like the Facebook page to keep up on all the latest episodes. I've been catching up on past episodes and you don't want to miss it.